I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Welcome to River Cafe Table 4, a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. There is much you can know about a person by the way they are in a restaurant. Will they be kind to a waiter? Patient if mistakes are made? Say goodbye when they leave. Will the staff look forward to their arrival? When Kathy Kennedy, creator of so many movies, books a table... Everyone in the River Cafe is elated. I've witnessed her be attentive and kind to the writers, directors, and fans that interrupt her meal, mostly with her husband, Frank Marshall, and I've seen the expression that only a good food lover can make when she tastes something she likes. Thank you, Ruthie. This is great fun. I know that this sounds like I'm picking a flavor that people go, oh, really? But I think great vanilla ice cream is just the best. So this is for serving 15. It's two liters of double cream. It's 450 milliliters of milk. Four fresh vanilla pods, so important, split lengthwise. 15 egg yolks. 350 grams of caster sugar. In a large saucepan, you'll combine the cream and the milk. You'll then scrape the vanilla seeds very carefully to get every single seed out of the pods into the pan, and then the pods too. And you cook until just below boiling, because you don't want it to boil. That'll actually ruin the custard. And you then remove from the heat, Beat the egg yolks and sugar together until pale and thick. Pour a little of the warm cream into the egg yolk mixture. And this is something that you want to do very slowly so that you can blend everything. And stir. Return this to the rest of the cream in the saucepan and cook gently over a low heat, stirring constantly to prevent the custard from curdling. And when the custard has thickened enough to coat the back of the spoon, strain it into a bowl and leave to cool. Pour into an ice cream machine and churn until frozen. And then you have perfect vanilla ice cream. That's beautifully read. And also, I did not know uh, how good a cook you are because, you know, you said it with confidence and with authority and with knowledge. So you do make vanilla ice cream? I do make vanilla mm-hmm. ice cream. I don't, you know, the thing is, I don't really get a lot of chance to cook. Yeah. I wish I did because I think I would really enjoy it. But when I do, when I have the time and I can really focus and pay attention, then I, mm-hmm. I find it very relaxing and fun. And what about when you started working? What was food like when you Well, I think worried. the great thing, when I started working, I immediately started traveling because we've made mm. so many movies all over the world. So food um, is something I really connected with because we, for instance, with Raiders of the Lost Ark, we were in Tunisia. So 
I remember one of the first scouts we ever did, we were taken to this tent, basically, and they were making uh, pork and lamb in the ground, mm. cooking and heating mm-hmm. it with fresh vegetables and couscous and and I'd never had anything like that. It was really spectacular. I love that food. I haven't been to Tunisia, but Morocco has mm-hmm. you know, very sophisticated. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the great thing about movie crews. I uh-huh. think people assimilate very, that's very good. quickly. Yeah. As recently as the last Star Wars with J.J., when we were in Jordan, yeah. and that was the first thing we were all talking about, was <laughs> what were we going to eat, eat and where would we go? And we were based out of Aqaba, and so we were treated to some pretty amazing mm. meals. I think in any work environment, mm-hmm. you know, taking care of the people who work for you and oh, the way yeah. they're fed, the way they are given time off. But it's interesting because when we talked to Wes Anderson, he said that he loathed stopping for lunch. He did tell the story that he tried to just give everybody soup, and that worked for about uh, one day. Five seconds. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> He said that actually um, going out at the end of a day with the people he was working with was crucial. That yeah. time around the table, oh, that yeah. time to relax. And do you I do think that? that's one of the things that people are missing right now with COVID uh-huh. is, you know, so much of what we're doing has to be pre-prepared and handed to people. And that sense of being able to gather at the end of yeah. a day, usually over food, whether you go to somebody's home, like for instance... We're shooting one of the Star Wars series, and we're up in Scotland, and Diego Luna is the star of that show, and he had about 15 people who were all vaccinated. That was one of the things we had to Mm. find out, but he had about 15 people come over, and he fixed this amazing paella, and everybody was just raving about what he had done, and he has his two kids with him, and his 10-year-old daughter is actually from the sounds of it, becoming quite a wonderful cook and really enjoys it. And she was in there helping him. And, you know, I think everybody was realizing how great it is to get back to that. Yeah. And when you were saying about making vanilla ice cream and having time to cook, there is something about cooking that is both relaxing and engrossing and apart from, you know, it, it takes all your attention. I remember when I, before I was a chef, I, was, I worked in a publishers, and everybody, I'd come back and everybody would say, don't cook, just sit down and relax. But actually, it was much more relaxing to go and cook. Go in and cook, Do you yeah. think? You know, there's I think something it is, that because it's, down. it's complete focus. Mm. Same reason some people play golf, mm. you know? It's mm. what is it that takes you comp- your attention away from the rest of the world and gives you something that creative to immerse yourself in? Mm. I think... You know, it reminds me of one of the things that my mom taught me. I'm very particular about how the plate looks. You know, whatever it is you're cooking, Mm -hmm. it really is important to then look at the plate and say, well, you know, what's the relationship with color and garnish and just how pleasing is it when you set it down in front of somebody? And I think that all of those little details are what makes it, you know, such a enjoyable experience but you could be talking about a movie yes you, you just exactly described right. something which could be a scene yes, from a film because it's all in the details mm. that's something that we say all the time what is that that everything you're doing all the creative process is in the details mm. and that's what makes it so personally enjoyable 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Help helps is a maxim I believe in. We all carry around stress and hardship, and when we keep it inside, it starts to chip away. Therapy is a safe place, and therapy is for everyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ruthie today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ruthie. BetterHelp com slash Ruthie. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at Stages podcast.net my mom was actually an incredible cook she was right in the middle of the julia child's you know period of time and so it's one of the reasons i think i i kind of don't cook because my mom would have us out of the kitchen she would take over the kitchen prepare everything Mm -hmm. sometimes she'd have us come in sort of her sous chef but most of the time, she was doing everything herself. And did your father cook? No. Never no. in the kitchen? No. Mm. What did he do? We actually lived in a little tiny town in Northern California. And my dad um, was a lawyer initially and eventually a judge. But he became a mining expert because gold mining was a big deal in Northern California. And even when I was born in the 50s, there was still a lot of work to be done in mining claims and whatnot throughout that region. And so my dad became an expert in that area. He also was very, very involved in, um, in a lot of the water rights oh. for the state of California. So the building of the dams and that kind yeah. of thing. And then there were probably 30, 40 um, reservations in Northern California at that time. And so he was also intricately involved in that. So as a kid, it was really interesting to travel with him and visit some of these places that were very remote, meet some real characters. And that's where I actually, in terms of food, I was introduced to venison and lots of wild game, that kind of thing, pheasants, doves, um, fish. Doves? Doves. You ate a dove. Wow. They, they, were, they would cook just very yeah. small um, yeah. doves. And then uh, I learned how to fish and caught steelhead. Steelhead was a big thing at that time. You can't really find a lot of steelhead in that area anymore. What is steelhead? Steelhead is a large trout. It's also a very fun fish to catch because it takes a long time to bring steelhead in. So this is very northern California. Very, yeah, it's very right near rural. the Oregon border. Yeah, and traveling and eating and exploring and fishing all were connected to, to adventure. Yeah, yeah. connected yeah. to adventure and, frankly, always connected to food. 
because it was a question of how were you going to prepare something, whether you were outside mm -hmm. or uh, we even had friends that would hang venison down in the basement to make you know homemade jerky and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. How do you stuff a pheasant? You know the cherries and and mm -hmm. fruits and mm -hmm. things that were used for stuffings. Um, the making of wild rice, different kinds of rices. That was a constant conversation, a seasonal kind of conversation. Was that from your mother or both parents? It was, I think, both parents, but they're friends. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody would always talk about food. There was always something in service to the preparation of food. That's so interesting because it doesn't, you know, if you think of small-town America mm -hmm. and in the 50s, you wouldn't necessarily think that, would you? Is that well, I, you know, I think it's, it's interesting because I think it has a lot to do with people who comfortably hunt mm. and a certain amount of agriculture. That part of Northern California is right at the tip of the Central Valley mm -hmm. in California. So there was a lot of fresh produce. Mm. I learned a lot about fish even though we were inland, a lot of the fish would come in from the Bay Area or the rivers, the nearby rivers. So there were different kinds of trout. There was petroli sole. There was uh, salmon, because that would come from the Eureka area, which is up near Humboldt. You know, and different kinds of salmon. You know, the coho versus the Copper River and that kind of thing. So you even, even the variations of the fish that was caught um, was something that I just remember as a kid yeah. being very aware of, not to mention what you were catching yourself and, yeah. and bringing home. Were you to go back there now, would, do you think the culture would have changed? Is oh, that... yeah. I, th I think it's definitely changed. I, I think fast food mm. has changed the culture in mm. a lot of places mm. because when I was a kid, there just wasn't a massive amount of fast food. Mm. So people were cooking and eating what was available. Yeah. You left home at what age? To go to college? Or? Uh, I left right out of high school, so mm. I was just 17 going on 18, and I went down to San Diego. Of course, there was all the influence of Mexican food and Mexican culture. They even had these fantastic um, uh, uh, factories downtown where they made homemade tortillas and, and chips and and that kind of thing. It was really fun when we were in college because we would go down and, and just have these freshly baked tortilla chips and homemade salsa and tacos and burritos. And, and all the food was just so fresh and great and, and very indigenous to the area. So you, you really felt like you were eating something that that was part of the culture, and, and it was. And How it was far great. is San Diego from? It's very close. It's very it? close, yeah. yeah. In yeah. fact, um, when you go to school down there, you're often going down into Rosarito yeah. Beach and yeah, Rosarito. San Felipe. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was a big thing during Easter break and that kind of thing. Did your parents ever come and experience they, Mexican they food? They didn't really come down that much. Yeah. They were pretty much homebodies, and my dad was so busy yeah. that they were pretty much confined to, to Northern California. You know, there's a funny thing about Northern California and Southern California, um, and there aren't a lot of people north of San Francisco that are very interested, I think uh -huh. even today, uh -huh. Uh -huh. in visiting Los Angeles. Uh -huh. It uh -huh. truly is uh -huh. like two yeah. very, very different cultures. I remember when Richard, um, after the Pompidou, he taught at UCLA, 
And I thought, as an American, we lived in the United States until I lived in L.A. And yeah. then it was like, why would you go to San Francisco for the weekend? Yeah. <laughs> and when we were in San Francisco, it was like, why would you teach at UCLA when you could be at Berkeley? You know? Yeah. It's really no, no, it's very much divided. Everybody yeah. has strong feelings about, about the state. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way, is getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. When you are producing a movie, tell me about that day in terms of how you eat. Do you start with a breakfast? Do you think about what you're going to have to lunch? Or do you... Well, I think it's very much... The same way of looking at what are your ingredients mm. for the day? What is mm. it you're trying to accomplish and how are you bringing it all together mm. in order to present something at the end of the day, which our presentation are the dailies and the eventual presentation is the editorial process. But in that moment, it's the same process where you're, you're isolating all the things you're going to need and whether that's the detail around set dressing, mm -hmm. the detail around performance, the detail around the look of the lighting, um, the detail around a stunt being choreographed uh, really well. All of those details are important, and you're doing it oftentimes with sometimes the, the size movies we're working on. We have hundreds of people, and even in that core team that's actually in, working around the camera, that's usually at least 50 or more people. Mm. So communicating to everybody what it is you're trying to achieve is much like a restaurant. Mm. You come in at the beginning of the night or the day, and you have a pretty good idea of what you're going to try to accomplish. Mm. You know, how many reservations mm. are there, what's going to be prepped, what's going to be ready, what do you have to anticipate, what do you have to be ready for? Um, that's something we're doing all the time. Is I always say as a producer, 75% of my job should be done by the time the director says action. Right. And then I'm problem solving. Yeah. That's pretty much what I'm doing in well, the course of the day. I always say that also, you know, again, common ground, that a restaurant is a very good place to work in, you know, if you're, if you're out of school. Because if you don't do your work. You don't necessarily get in trouble with your boss, 
but with your colleagues. So mm-hmm. if, if a chef is preparing a salsa verde and a waiter, because all the waiters in the River Cafe come in in the morning and they don't lay tables, they do the jobs of, being, of helping the chef. So they you know, chop the chilies, they, they, they grill the peppers, they desalt the anchovies. But if they haven't done their job, then when he goes to make the sauce and the parsley hasn't been... So it's very... It, it, it doesn't and work. And you're if, working you know, on a schedule. And so curtain up at 12.30. Exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. very, very similar to the process of, of working on a movie because if everything is in prepped and ready to go, exactly. then the director's standing around waiting yeah. hours sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it's not knowing your lines. Yeah. Have you ever worked in a restaurant? I did. I did little bits here and there, but nothing, you know, n- nothing I could really describe in any yeah. detail. Yeah. It was one of my early jobs, actually. One of, I think I was 16, 16 years old. I, I worked in a little restaurant. It, was, it scared me to death, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a great way to start. Yeah. And do you, do, do you work... Um, when I interviewed Michael Caine, mm-hmm. he said that he had never done a deal in Hollywood that wasn't done in a restaurant. But when I asked JJ, he said, no, that was old school. Yeah, but I would think you, it is, Would you sadly. take somebody out to a restaurant to, to finalize You something? know, I'd take somebody out to a restaurant to get to know them. Um, certainly for key people that you're trying to bring into a movie, you're trying to build a relationship, and there's no better way to do that than to do that over food. You know, I, I, I look at relationships based on a phone call, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Uh, Are you going to go to dinner with somebody? That's a commitment. Hmm. That's a significant commitment. Are yeah. you going to go to lunch with somebody? Little less. Oh. Breakfast, little less. Oh. And so it's like... <laughs> I'm now very worried. Okay, well, Kathy, if I come to but LA if, and you say Ruthie, let's no, have a no, phone no, call. No. I might be really no, upset. No, we're all we're already <laughs> we're already friends. We have tens of phone Probably calls. Did but it. if you're trying to meet somebody yeah, and you're tough. just doing it on a, yeah. a with a phone call, yeah. that's a lot different than committing to having dinner. Well, dinner is a commitment, yeah. and it does teach. But I, that's why I started out by saying that I do see the way you are in a restaurant, and it tells you something, doesn't it? Yeah. Whether people it, look the waiter in the eye or whether they say thank you. It well, tells I you. think it comes from a level of appreciation. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, food is not something they think a lot about, and it's just, you know, another box to tick, as opposed to walking into a place where you appreciate yeah. what's gone into the preparation, the service, and the love of yeah. creating something like this. And when you travel? It yeah. depends on where we are. Yeah. I And maybe this comes from my background of having eaten lots of different kinds of things. I, I always want to know, like for instance, when we were up in Scotland just the other day, yeah. I had venison, because I haven't had venison in a long, long time, but they had it on the menu. Uh, we also went and got a platter of what they called a, a lock seafood platter. Yeah, yeah. So it's all the different kinds of shellfish and fish that come out of the locks. Um, I'll usually gravitate right away to something like that yeah. when you're in a restaurant where you, you feel that they're paying attention to what's around them. And so, you know, we talk about food memories. We talk about food as adventure. We talk about food as taking care of the people we work with and the family that we love. But also food is a comfort. What would be, Kathy Kennedy, your comfort food? 
My comfort food. I would say that it's probably a really good hearty soup mm. and a great homemade thick piece of bread to go with it um, or cornbread. Uh, that, that's my comfort food. Thank you. Well, thank you for giving us, as I said, the movies. Thank you for coming to the River Cafe tonight. And thank you for doing this. Well, thank, thank you, Ruthie. You. It was a real pleasure. To visit the online shop of The River Cafe, go to shoptherivercafe.co.uk. River Cafe Table 4 is a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net.